Hey, welcome to the EdTech Simplified Podcast, where we talk about how to simplify teaching and make your classrooms more engaging and enjoyable for you and your students. Today, we're going to talk about four ways to make your rubrics work harder. So not you work harder, but your rubrics work harder for you. So let's start with discussing making and distributing your rubrics. I feel like when I first started using rubrics as a teacher, creating all those different criteria, it could feel really overwhelming. And it felt like you needed some special tool or it felt like you didn't have time. Like I know I felt like I didn't have time to sit down and make them. I didn't have the confidence. I wanted to find someone that someone else had made. But of course, I needed to match my standards. And right now I'm in a private school. That means that my standards, while based off national standards, may not be identical. There are a lot of reasons why it's great to make your own rubric. And when that feels overwhelming, we tend to not do it. So I have good news. It does not have to be so hard. There is something called a single point rubric. If you want to go super in-depth on this topic, Cold to Pedagogy has an entire article about it. But basically, a single point rubric is what it sounds like. Instead of making all those different criteria, like let's say I have a project going on where I need students to debate pros and cons of renewable energy versus fossil fuels. I might have a rubric component that discusses their debate form. So did they have eye contact? Had they appropriately prepared with that kind of thing? That rubric component, if I have to break it down into four chunks of what exactly it looks like to do poorly versus what exactly it looks like to do well, that feels sometimes really overwhelming to the teacher and the kids don't read it. They don't. They're not going to read each of those four criteria. What they need to know is not how to do badly, but how to do well. What are the expectations? I feel like we don't always talk about this, but the student has to use the rubric for it to be valuable. And if the rubric is convoluted or difficult for the student to use, or if it just has too much on it, the kids don't use it. It's like getting one of those emails that feels like you're going to have to read a whole novel and you go, I can't process this, so I'm going to skim it. The kids do the same thing. We're all just people. If we throw too much at them, they don't process it all. And so a single point rubric writes the expectation. And so if they meet it, great. They get the standard amount of points um, if you're using traditional grading. If they exceed it, they would get extra credit. And if they did not meet that criteria, then you would deduct points, again, if you're using a standard grading format appropriately. There are different ways to do this. There's a very open-ended form where you have the criteria in the middle, and then on either side you have a box for did not meet, and then a box on the other side for exceeds, and you can jot down your notes. I do a really simplified form where I have the criteria written down, and then since we use traditional grading, the point value that it's worth. So in a debate, if correct debate form is worth 10 points, then I would have my expectations for correct debate form written out. And then underneath it, I would have the number of points that are available to it. I would 
allocate those points based on the criteria being met or not met or potentially exceeded, which is always great. Next, as far as keeping your rubric simple, so this is point number two on making your rubrics work harder, not you work harder, is keep your rubrics digital. You don't have to keep them completely digital. If you need to make paper copies for your kids, if that serves your purposes, that's great. Some kids like uh, to cross things off on their rubric that can be meaningful for them and it can help them stay organized. But having a digital copy for yourself means that you avoid all those issues with keeping your paper files organized with accidentally losing or having something happen to a really valuable master copy. Make sure you have a digital copy for yourself. You can distribute to the kids as serves your purpose, but that master digital file of yours can be easily altered, easily duplicated, easily changed to meet various students' needs if you need to differentiate without the hassle of dealing with literal paperwork. If you really like digital and you use Google Classroom, Google Classroom has a rubric tool now that allows you to easily add a rubric directly into an assignment. You can assign point values. It's pretty clean and easy to use. And you can grade directly from within Google Classroom. So just like you would normally assign point values to a project or an assignment or an assessment there, you can do it through a rubric and it tallies the points for you, which is great. That way we don't have any of those accidental errors. Everybody makes mistakes. And if you're grading a large volume of work, it's easy to just take out the risk of that accidental miscalculation. It will calculate the score for you based on your input. All right, the third way to make your rubrics work harder is to do peer assessment during projects. So you do have to train the kids to do this. It takes a little bit of upfront input. Depending on your group, it actually may take more than a little bit. You have to train them how to give feedback appropriately, how to both offer constructive but not rude criticism and offer constructive positive feedback. Because just like me writing on a paper, this was good, isn't super meaningful to a kid. It doesn't tell them where the standards or expectations were met or exceeded, the kids have a tendency to do that as well. Or they might give specific but unnecessary feedback like, I really liked your shoes today, which is nice, but not specifically academically helpful. So before you have them score each other, you do have to do some training. It can take several rounds, but that's okay. We're building a skill. It's worth It's worth letting them try and letting them try several times. They'll grow and they'll develop. And once you have them well trained in this new skill, peer assessment can be really valuable. I use a simple rubric style Google form in the middle of projects where students are able to score each other on a one to four scale. It's actually one to five, but five is exceeds expectation. So it's hard to get a five. Um, a one to five scale on how their peers and how the the child themselves, so we do self-feedback and peer feedback or self-evaluation and peer evaluation, how they met the group expectations for each day. They fill out a group contract. They define their own work and group behavioral norms and expectations. And they fill out a calendar about their expectations as far as what should occur every day. 
This is very much a work in progress. I work with middle schoolers. It's not beautiful or perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it helps them set up what's expected during a project. At the end of each class period, they score themselves and they score each other on that one to five scale. And it's a single point. Did they meet the expectations set forth in their group contract for the day? So they did or they did not on that one to point, one to five point scale and each section is defined. So I define what a one is for them and I also define what a two and a three and a four and a five are. So they understand what number corresponds with what. You don't want a kid giving a one thinking a one was awesome when in your mind the one was the poorest possible score. I have been really amazed at how honest they are. We talked about how to give feedback, that what I'm seeing and what they see or the feedback I give and the feedback they give, if we're all being honest, it should be relatively similar. If I gave them a four on meeting expectations for the day and they gave themselves a three, we're, we're within reasonable self-evaluation there. They and I came to a similar conclusion based on the productivity of that day. If I gave them a one and they gave themselves a five, we've talked about how that probably means that there's a little bit of a disconnect in what should have been occurring versus what was occurring. I've been really surprised at how honest they are. They're often harsher on themselves than I am. And it provides these wonderful, meaningful opportunities for real peer feedback. I overheard a conversation recently where Two kids were, I don't want to say arguing because it wasn't disrespectful, but they were having a conversation about one of the child's daily scores. And the kid said, hey, you gave me a two. And the other little boy said, yes, you deserved a two. I did such and such and such, and you only accomplished this one task. And the kid goes, yeah, but I did get this one task done. And the first little boy said, exactly, you did get something done, which is why I gave you a two as opposed to a one, which would have been to accomplish virtually nothing for the day. So they get feedback from other kids, which is so much more meaningful than feedback from me. It means more to hear from another child, hey, you didn't, you didn't uphold your end of our contract. All right, the fourth way to make your rubrics work harder is that you can give your children rubrics during group presentations. So just like you score a presentation, so we're talking about a front of class presentation where students are giving their finalized research or project or problem that has been solved. Often those are only scored by teachers. And again, peer feedback a lot of the time is more meaningful than our feedback. And it solves that issue of having one group present while the other kids what? What do they do? Do they stare at the ceiling? Even if they're polite, if they have nothing to do, there's no way to know if they're paying attention. There's no way to know if that information being given out to them is useful. Just like you wouldn't present a lesson and give the kids nothing to do during the lesson and just expect them to stare at you and listen. When kids are presenting their findings, if we don't give the audience something to do, even if they're polite and quiet, we have no way of knowing if they're focused. So at the end of a big project, when you're ready for those presentations, give the audience a rubric. Give each kid a rubric, have them score the presenters. Again, this does take some training. You need to teach them how to be polite, but usefully um, constructive in what they give their feedback on. We want useful comments. 
but this can be great because all you have to do, it's kind of like an exit ticket. At the end of the presentation, you can scoop up all those rubrics that were done by the other children, do a quick assessment on who appeared to have been focused during the presentation. If they have marks that are tens all the way down on every single point, assuming each point is worth or each criteria on the rubric is worth 10 points, and you came up with a score that was different than that, it may mean that they were just circling numbers. They weren't focused. If they don't have, I, it's great to have a box at the bottom where they can put open-ended comments or they can fact check each other because that can be kind of interesting to see them give each other feedback on the accuracy of their information. If you see those things filled out in a meaningful way, we, it means that learning took place. They were focused. They were taking in information from their peers' presentation. And that's fantastic. That's what we want. And you can give those rubrics to the group that was presenting, and they can look through that peer feedback. And not only do they get academic information, they can get feedback on how to be a better presenter. Comments like, your information was good, but it was hard to hear you. Kids will say things like that to each other, and those are appropriate comments, and they're helpful. It means that the presentation can be better the next time they're developing those public speaking skills. So we can use our rubrics to maintain engagement, to build social skills, to build public speaking skills, to build group communication skills. There's so much more that we can do with them than just grade a project. And it doesn't have to be as hard as I know I used to make it. We can make it simple and still have it be really, really powerful. So those are four ways that you can use rubrics to work harder in your classroom. And again, not you work harder, the rubric works harder. If this podcast has been useful to you, I would be so honored if you would subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And I know I mentioned some Google tools in this episode, just like always, if you're brand new to Google Classroom, if you're hearing some of these things and you're like, well, this sounds great, but I don't have the tech training to pull this off right now, that's okay. We all start at the beginning. Everybody starts somewhere. So if you need very, very basic ideas on how to get started with Google Classroom, you can go to my website, edtechsimplified.com. All you have to do is click free guides at the top and you'll see free guides on how to get set up in Google Classroom and on how to stay organized. They're really helpful. I've used Google Classroom since its beginning, so it's good information from an experienced user. I hope you have a great day and enjoy making your classroom simpler and more engaging.